Episode 32, Wave the White Flag. Hi, Elite Educators. You don't want to miss out on the Always a Lesson monthly newsletter, and here's why. I give you fresh, free content to remain effective in the classroom, as well as share some fabulous freebie resources. This engaging one-pager comes right to your inbox at the beginning of each month. Snag a spot today by visiting Always a Lesson on Facebook and clicking on the Sign Up button on the page's cover photo. Get ready to be empowered. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, elite educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. I'm here to empower you to reach your potential. You know it. I call you elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast like this to help hone their craft. I want to first start by thanking you all for tuning in each week. I've received some of the most wonderful reviews on iTunes. If you enjoyed the show, help me by subscribing and leaving a rating with a review. This tells iTunes to continue pushing out the show, which helps more and more teachers each day. Today, I want to give a shout out to HGC the Third, who said, Great resource for teachers and educators. Good information and focused on what is important. Well done. Keep moving forward. Thank you so much, HGC the Third. We are certainly going to keep moving forward. Today, I want to help you reignite your passion and potential. By talking about the power and partnership with parents, and that's why I entitled this episode, Wave the White Flag, because you know that white flag is all about peace and surrender. This podcast is especially for new teachers, but of course applicable to all. So hang on, this is going to be one empowering ride. Have you ever felt like an island? It's just lonely It's scary, and the pressure is on. Your mood is irritable, your attention span is super distracted, and your heart is just pained. I mean, teaching should not feel like an island, but often teachers feel so isolated and alone. And I want to tell you today that if you're feeling like that, it's actually good news. You can do something about the way you're feeling. You can't force people to join your team, but you can encourage them by changing your approach and changing your perspective. There is such power in partnership. It's an equation of power. You've got the school, your teachers, the parents, the students, administration. Going further, you've even got support staff and colleagues. All of these people play a role. They're all part of the partnership. And there's so much power within that collaboration, and you should never have to work alone. And I'm going to hone in today just on that partnership with the parent. A strategy I used in my classroom was called Numbered Heads Together. 
And the kids loved it because they got to work with their friends or their classmates. But it was really good for me to allow students to collaborate and work together instead of always working independently and silently because the world out there requires that everyone work together and pull their weight for a common cause. And so allowing time in class for students to learn the give and take, to share ideas, to praise others for their efforts, to encourage each one to be involved, that accountability piece, it just really increased the confidence and the engagement in my students in class. And I'm thinking about that same strategy when working with parents, numbered heads together. Like, instead of numbering off kids and putting them into a group and having them literally put their heads together to think about it, it could be the same thing with the teacher and the parent and maybe even the teacher, the parent, and the student. I've had even grandparents join the equation, but it's always better to have a sounding board, enough people around who love and care for the child to ensure that what is happening each and every day is what is best for students. I used to just sit in my classroom, the four walls surrounding me, thinking I was alone, and I would only talk to parents at meet the teacher night and then again at some conference down the road. And I would be frustrated when students were struggling and I didn't have all the answers and kept making assumptions and putting lots of plans in place that would end up not working. And it was because I wasn't working smarter. I was just working harder. And it would have been a whole lot quicker if we just got on the same team and everything would have been so much better. I mean, these people gave birth to this specific child. They've known them for years. So they have tons of worthwhile information to share. You've just got to tap into that resource. You are an expert in who that child is right now in terms of their academics, but parents have that history, and they have known what other teachers have gone through in terms of troubleshooting and problem solving, and they could give some helpful instructional tips. And I learned that I found myself leaning on these people throughout the whole year, and their perspective ended up being the shining light that I needed to have that breakthrough in working with a child. Plus, just the increase in parent involvement, they really felt part of the class when I would lean on them and ask their perspective. And some could give financially, but some gave in their time. And either way, it was because it all started with a conversation. So there's a couple of ways that you can ensure that your partnership is a two-way street. Start by calling home before you even start teaching. I know this is something a lot of veteran teachers do, and if you're a veteran teacher, just hang on. I've got some good stuff for you coming in a moment, but I want to start grassroots first. Just share about yourself, your excitement to teach that child. Of course, share your contact information. Repeat that a few times in that call. Explain your philosophy on the whole parent-teacher collaboration and partnership, and then get the conversation going. You don't need to keep talking at them anymore. Give a question like, how can I best help your child achieve their goals this year? And they might not even know. You may stop them right in their tracks. Like, child's goals, how can you help? Like, oh my gosh, I've never even thought of such a question. I don't know. And then you might just say, well, think on it, and I'm going to check back with you at open house. Now they've got a reason to walk up to you and start that conversation and say, I've been thinking about the question you asked, and here are some of my ideas. Now that partnership has formed before you've ever started teaching their child, and you know you can call on each other whenever you need to brainstorm. Then during that first week, send a newsletter. It's a great way to remind them something about yourself, that excitement to teach their child, again, sharing your contact information, 
resharing that philosophy on the partnership and collaboration, and then end with that question again. How can I best help your child achieve their goals this year? And really, it's not just a ploy to get them involved, but you really want to know, give me everything you've got. I want to walk into this and having all the tools I can. I would suggest just keeping a notebook with students' names and then all the details of their goals throughout the year. As they accomplish something, create a new goal. Jot notes down as you're problem-solving how to reach that goal. It's a great running record of what the child, how the child is growing that year. And then maybe even post goals on students' desks or in prominent workspaces so students are always working towards a specific goal in mind. It might even be a great idea to give a monthly report about the student's goals to the parents or maybe just do it quarterly and include it with the report card. So instead of just getting grades, you're getting this is the goal and this is how Johnny is working towards the goal. It's actionable steps and behaviors that the child is exhibiting and really let you know that they are on track to achieve that goal. And it really makes it easy for the parent to praise the child for something specific they're doing, choices they're making, and encourage them to continue to do that. And then start having celebrations at home every time a goal is accomplished and a new goal is set. This is such great lifelong learning that you're setting the precedence for and the fact that they're learning how to work towards something greater than themselves and seeing that pride and that development This is amazing life skills happening right now before your eyes. Then open up that conversation to talk about specific obstacles you need to overcome and brainstorm sessions with as many heads together as possible. I go back to that strategy, numbered heads together. You're going to have a lot of dialogue and you might feel like you're wasting time because it's all this conversation that's eating up your time when you need to be doing other things. But the relationship is propelling this student's academic achievement. I can't tell you enough that education is all about communication and relationships. And when you're allowing time for those relationships to flourish, you're really going to see a huge change in that child. It will come. You'll make up time. Later in the end, you are setting them up for success. It is time well spent. So right now what I thought I'd do is take you through some scenarios that happened to me and how my approach and partnership with parents have kind of changed. So the first example, I'm just going to keep saying Mrs. Smith as the mom and Johnny as the child just to keep it straight. And I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios and I'm going to keep using Johnny's name. So don't think this poor Johnny has a lot of issues, (laughs) but just to keep it simple. So the first thing, Johnny's not turning in his work. So in the past, I probably would have just written a note as an FYI, giving some sort of consequence. Don't judge me. I didn't at the time know a different way to approach parents. But once I realized this whole power of partnerships, I started reaching out to parents. And it sounded something like this. Hey, Mrs. Smith, I noticed a slowdown in Johnny's submission of homework. Okay, so let me just pause for a second. Do you see what I did there? I could have easily said he didn't turn in his homework, but I changed my perspective and changed my wording to say his submission of homework had slowed down. That is not as negative of a statement as just saying Johnny's not turning in homework. It's, it's assuming the best of that child. Okay, back to action. So I wanted to reach out to you and see if Johnny mentioned anything out of the ordinary about homework or school. Okay. So let's end that right there. So now I'm asking a question. I want to draw the parent into the conversation and ask for insight. Even though I know he probably just didn't want to do his homework or something, just nothing big. But the good news here is 
this Mrs. Smith was so surprised that I had asked her and, and brought it to her. And she immediately got Johnny back in action with his homework submission. And now she was looking to me when she would see something that was off at home. And then I would do the same with what's going on in the classroom. We just immediately became a team. And I can't say she would have leaned on me in that way if I hadn't taken that original approach. Another situation I encountered is Johnny's reading scores weren't improving. So with specific scores, I make phone calls or I host a conference instead of just shooting an email. But I used to wait until way too long to let a parent know a concern of mine because I just didn't want to get anyone worried and figured it would work itself out. But it was actually such a detriment because all that time was when a student could have received additional support at home. And even if the parent doesn't know how to help, like a lot of my parents either didn't speak English or they didn't learn math or reading in the certain way that we were instructing, so they feel like they couldn't help. But just being aware that something is going on and and really trying to ask the child about that and get the child to tell you what they need can really make a difference. So the conversation could sound like this. Hey, Mrs. Smith, I wanted to bring you in today to help me brainstorm some strategies for Johnny. As you know, we test throughout the whole year in reading and in math just to ensure that students are gaining the necessary skills and then we can provide the remediation if they're struggling. So here is Johnny's baseline score in reading. It's been about two months and at this point we should be about five to ten points higher. I'm going to pause for a second and just let you know I'm making these numbers up. Okay, back. But Johnny has only grown three points. So although it's not majorly concerning at this time, I did want to put it on your radar so we can start implementing some additional support and just to make sure Johnny is successful and then he maintains his upward trajectory in reading. So here's what I started doing this week once I saw his current level of performance. Okay, let's fast forward. I share some strategies. Since you know Johnny best, do you think he would find any one of these strategies helpful? Okay, pause. So again, I'm asking a question to draw in the parent and hope that they can affirm my response or suggest something else. And they'll often say, I have no idea. You're the expert. I trust you. What, a, what can I do? Which is totally fine. And I'm not really leaning on them for suggestions, but I do want to get the dialogue started. And during the next few weeks, keeping in touch through email or some homeschool communication tool definitely ensures that the parent can support at home, they can follow up with a more clear angle, and then they're prepared if this child's growth stagnates before hearing about it come report card time. So let's do another one. Johnny has test anxiety. So this happens a ton in third grade when students are being introduced to high-stakes testing. And obviously, any point after that, middle school and high school, it just gets even worse. But I would say something like, but I'd hop on the phone for this one and say something like, Hi, Mrs. Smith. I wanted to pick your brain for a minute. So there's an increase in testing this year for Johnny. And I'm starting to notice his posture gets a little stiff. His head starts to hang. And he begins to fidget when a test is announced or we're giving one. And I'm sure you've seen this at home or in previous grades. So what has worked to help calm him down? Okay, so exit this reenactment here. Now, at this point, the parent usually has heard about this before, and then I'll jot down the suggestions that they give me and then just say, thanks so much. I knew I could count on you for some ideas. I'm going to implement these right away and keep you posted. 
Okay, but if they tell me that they've never heard about this before, which might happen again if it's third grade in this first year, they're really starting to see an increase in testing. I might say something like, so what has worked for other students is like alternative seating so they can take the pressure off of having all the students around them. They may just sit in the back or, or face a wall or anything to block out the pressure of other students finishing quickly. Um, some students like to take a quick walk up and down the hall to release some of that anxious energy. And some students even like to give themselves a little pep talk or look at an encouraging quote. So do any of these sound like something Johnny might be interested in trying? Okay, so this is just like the scenario before where I'm opening up that conversation, just trying to, to allow the parent to know what's going on and maybe even pick a suggestion. Oh, Johnny definitely loves to get out and, and get his mind off things. So walking in the hallway may be the best one out of those. Let's try that right away. And then they generally say, and I'll talk to Johnny tonight and ask him if he has any ideas. So again, just really getting that relationship going. I want to share with you one more, but I know you're probably getting the hang of what I'm trying to express here, and you could probably problem solve through this one on your own, but just hear me out. So let's say Johnny has excessive energy, and I know I can hear you laughing right now. Every child this these days has tons of energy, and there's a lot of other reasons why that is, but just hang with me. So I'd probably just send a quick email because this is pretty low priority. It hasn't turned into anything yet. It's just I'm noticing, whoa, okay, there's some extra energy here. So it may just sound like, hi, Mrs. Smith. I hope this email finds you well. Johnny's doing good in all his classes, and I'm really proud of his progress. I am noticing some more energy that he's exhibiting, probably due to our longer seat time in third grade. But I shared with him some options to help get out the energy without distracting others, like standing when he's working or excusing himself for a quick lap in the hall or using the full recess time to run and play. But if you notice that he struggles to complete homework due to this energy level, have him try some of the same suggestions at home so that he gets in the habit of learning while still expending energy. If you do have additional ideas for ways to help Johnny focus and release energy, please share with me. I hope you have a great day. So here I really didn't get Mrs. Smith into a back-and-forth discussion because the issue hasn't created a problem yet in class. However, now that Mrs. Smith knows there's something brewing, she might start asking Johnny after school how he managed his energy, plus when I call her to inform her that you know he was running around the class or he was being more physical with peers, it's not going to be a complete shock. And then we can just get right down to problem solving. And it doesn't have to be a blame game. And she doesn't have to feel that I don't like Johnny. But it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. Shoot, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this. But okay, what are my options? Let's get on top of this right away. And as a side note, most students have a hard time sitting still, like I was saying. So there are tons of things you can do before communicating with all parents, because I can just imagine right now you're like, okay, let me go call 20 parents and tell them that their child has excessive energy. But things like go noodle, it takes just a few seconds. It gets kids up and moving. I used to use brain breaks, so similar to go noodle. Um, I'm sure you have tons of resources you're already using in your classroom, but I always let kiddos stand up and move around about every 10 minutes or so in class. So just start building that into your lessons. Anyways, I'm just sharing these scenarios with you today so that you can see that parents really are your ally. 
They want to be part of their child's journey. They might not know how or what to say, but if you just open up the possibility for their partnership, you'll start to see the students grow. You'll see increased happiness. And with the parent on board, any struggle or obstacle can totally be overcome. Some of the best solutions honestly came from parents because they live with their child. They know their idiosyncrasies. And many parents feel like the teacher is part of the school system and it underserves their child. And But, you know, not all people feel this way. But in general, parents rarely feel that they have a voice sometimes in their child's education, and especially with the day-to-day goings-on, but when you invite them into your classroom and you share what's happening openly and you ask their opinion, their whole demeanor changes. They get excited to help in any way they can, and they start doing anything at home that they can to help the mission of their child getting educated. Parents, honestly, they have good hearts, and if they're yelling or seeming angry, it's just passion They love their child. They want them to be successful. They want them to feel good about themselves. They want them to overcome any hurdle that falls in front of them. So just hear beyond their word choice. See beyond their approach. And remember, their heart is always in the right place. They're knocking on your door wanting to be let in so that they can be part of the mission. So invite them in. Bring them on board. Wave that white flag of peace and partner up. The child has so much to gain from two amazing minds working together for their benefit. All right, elite educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on waving the white flag to showcase yourself as an ally with parents. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcast.com network.com for more details elite educators no matter your experience level in the classroom there is always room to grow and perfect your craft gretchen of always a lesson provides individualized in-person and or virtual coaching to not only identify areas of growth but to give you ongoing tools and support to maximize your potential If you or an educator you know is in need of a boost in teaching technique application, data collection and analysis, leadership development, development of rigorous classroom content, or any other aspect of professional development, contact Gretchen so you can get empowered. Visit www.alwaysalesson.com and click on the consulting tab. Or shoot her an email at Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com for more information. Your first 20-minute consultation is free, so you have nothing to lose by reaching out to an experienced teacher coach like Gretchen. Make the decision to be your best, and you won't regret the benefits you see in your students. Elite educators, are you in need of feeling empowered by someone who is just like you 
who does just what you do and, well, just gets it? Then hop on over to alwaysalesson.com to learn more on the blog for tips and tricks of remaining passionate about your current work. Also, check out our social media links for more personal connection to other elite educators just like you. And if you're a newbie educator, grab a copy of my book, Elementary Education 101, What They Didn't Teach You in College, to ensure you beat the learning curve and end your first year ahead of the game. Alwaysalesson.com provides something for everyone. So elite educators, stop by today and get empowered.